It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Two wins in a row for the Boston Celtics. Marcus Smart getting back to who he was. Grant Williams growing and patience, my friends. Patience. It's all part of the Tuesday Locked On Celtics podcast. Millies, let's go! Rainy Jays back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. Hey, well, after that uh, little losing streak, the Boston Celtics are right back where they were before all of that. They've got two wins in a row. They're in second place in the East. They're 27-11. and 11. Things are great, right? I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. here to walk you through the Boston Celtics' 113-101 win over the Chicago Bulls. Welcome to you, new listener. If this is your first time listening, shout out to you. Thanks for sampling. Hope you enjoy the show. All of the rest of you, whatever you're doing, if you're at the gym, at work, at home, wherever it is, shouts to you. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for constantly making this show part of your daily routine. I very much appreciate that. Celtics beat the Bulls. And I think you can pretty much end it there because it's the Bulls and they suck. But it's actually... There are a few things to take away from this game. Uh, This was, overall, relatively uneventful, right? Like, if you watch the game, the Celtics kind of slowly marched through this game. They won this thing in the first half. They really won it in the first quarter. They When they outscored Chicago 28-14, to they built up that huge lead. They tacked on. Uh, four more points in the second quarter by outscoring uh, Chicago 27 to 23. And then Chicago actually won the second half by virtue of a 34 28 third quarter and an even fourth quarter. But really, by that point, the Celtics were kind of in cruise control. Uh, they let off the gas in the second half for sure. Uh, and they let Chicago make a run. And, you know, Chicago has talented players and, and they, really can play a pretty uh, good level of defense. So the Celtics in the third quarter were just kind of turnover happy. And uh, they had, what, three turnovers, but it felt it really felt like a lot more. Maybe some of those misses, they shot 8 of 21. Uh, it felt like turnovers. And so this, the Celtics really gave up uh, way too many transition opportunities, uh, they, they let Chicago get way too comfortable. I mean, you just look at the scoring in the third quarter, 13 of 20 for Chicago. Uh, that's just, it's not that that's laziness on the Celtics part. And again, you see the Celtics when they play well and they do what they're supposed to do, they do well. And then in the third quarter, they start screwing around and they give up a 34 point quarter to the Chicago Bulls. Luckily, everything kind of got calm down fourth quarter uh, when things were a little tight Kemba Walker just kind of slid in there is like oh I'm having a whole hum game 
no, I'm going to drill a couple of threes here right at the end and put this thing out of reach. Played five and a half minutes in the fourth quarter, came in, drilled those two threes, and was like, all right, I'm done. Enough of you. So, But this whole thing started in the first quarter with uh, a healthy dose, dose of Ennis Cantor. Uh, I thought Ennis Cantor was playing uh, a very traditional big man role where he was just kind of staying low. They call it the dunker spot. Uh, guys penetrate and help comes over, and then he comes in from below the baseline somewhere if you look at just outside the lane, like that area, that's they call it the dunker spot because when you drive and dish, that guy gets the ball and goes up for dunks, which Cantor did and and did a lot of his damage early on, early on in this game and was able to capitalize on some good Celtics uh, dribble penetration. Cantor in the first quarter uh, started, by the way, because... Uh, Daniel Tice was out with the uh, sore right knee. He's got knee tendonitis. Nine points, five rebounds in the first quarter for Ennis Cantor. He kind of helped get things going in the first quarter. Uh, Kemba Walker didn't have a a huge night, but he did have eight points in the first quarter. Kind of almost going back to what we were talking about in yesterday's show, where the Celtics, when they get off to their hot starts, it has usually been behind Kemba Walker, and this time it was kind of behind Kemba and Ennis Cantor. Uh, Kemba, eight points in the first quarter, like I said, 14 points overall in the game. So he scored the eight points to start. He scored the two baskets, the two threes to finish, and that was kind of it. Like, that was Kemba's night. So a very low-key night. So it goes to show that the Celtics can, again, it's a bad team, but they can put together enough from everybody else to kind of overcome, I guess overcome. It's not like he he sucked. He, he didn't take a lot of shots. Kimba shot five of nine overall in this game. So it's not like he was terrible. He just didn't shoot much, nine shots. Uh, but they were able to kind of, they don't need Kemba, I guess is what I'm getting at. Because they got contributions from everybody. Uh, Jason Tatum led the team with 21 points. Didn't shoot particularly well. 7 of 17, 2 of 7 from 3. Got to the line, 5 of 7 free throws. Uh, Jalen Brown, another guy, didn't shoot particularly well, but he had 19 points. 5 of 13 from the field, but 9 of 9 from the free throw line, which is very un-Jalen Brown-like, but awesome to see. And one thing that really stood out to me with Jalen Brown was how patient he was. Now, he took 13 shots. For a guy that's in a slump and not shooting well, that this 5 of 13 actually raises his percentage. Probably gets him up to somewhere around 30% or so, a little over 30% over the past five games. Uh, that's obviously not good, but no one seems concerned. And and I, I watched this game. I didn't think he had a bad game necessarily. Missed a couple of shots, but I thought he was very patient And he didn't force things early on. It's not like he came out hot. You know, we're talking, me and Chris Grenham, we're talking about getting him going in the first quarter. He came out in the first quarter, took one shot and two free throws. So he wasn't trying to force anything. The Celtics weren't trying to force anything to him. He came alive a little bit in the second quarter and scored a a couple of baskets, but... 
nothing kind of crazy. Just a slow kind of burn for Jalen Brown. Uh, he made good cuts, I thought. In the third quarter, he kind of he, that was his big quarter where he scored 11 points, three of six in the third, five of five from the line. He let the game kind of come to him, even after uh, waiting a while to get some shots. Uh, he missed a couple of shots in the fourth quarter, but overall, I, I liked the game that Jalen played. Again, uh, you know, the, a guy who, who's in a slump, I, I would expect him to try and maybe come out and start firing a little bit more. Nope, nope. And Brad Stevens said before the game, what he was asked about Jalen's consistency and, and getting consistency from guys. And I think I thought he made a great point. Uh, internally, they don't measure consistency by whether the ball goes in the hoop or not. They measure consistency by, do you do the right things over and over again? Do you make right decisions over and over again? What do you do on a daily basis? How do you work? And are you are you doing all of the things on a regular basis to put yourself in a position to succeed? And if you are, then you're being consistent. The ball going through the basket, that sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Sometimes it comes off your hands wrong. Sometimes it's just in a little bit of a funk. And, and it's just, it happens. It happens to just about everybody. But Brad's point was, to us, to me, to you, consistency is scoring. The ball has to go through the hoop. And you look at somebody averaging 20 points a game and you say, well, some nights you score 25, sometimes you score 15, but you're always kind of in and around that, you know, if you're shooting 40 something percent, you kind of want to be around that all the time. And a one-off, even a two-off is is one thing, but to have four or five games where you're not shooting well, then you become inconsistent. But to the Celtics, that's not necessarily the case. And and I really, really did think that tonight's game from Jalen Brown was a great example of that because I really didn't see him forcing anything. Uh, he made some great cuts, got a couple of dunks. I saw him get a couple of good seals in the lane where he was in good position to get a pass and he didn't. And just he just went and... Sometimes you don't get the ball and maybe in the moment there's like a little bit of frustration like, ah, shit, I just, I, I had this. If you just got it to me, it was a layup. Um, and there are a couple, there was one where he got fouled and I would have sworn that it was a continuation, but they didn't give him the continuation. That would have been another made basket. So that would have been six of 14, which gets you a lot closer. Six of 14 is, is better, you know, that, that one extra shot, that one extra make gets you up over 40%. And then he has a 21 point game. So that, you know, little things turn a, well, that's not such a great game to, oh, it's a good game. You know, if he took two more shots in this game and made them both, um, then, or if he just made one, if instead of five of 13, for 38.5%, if he just made one more and was 6 of 13, then you're off to, like, not, I don't know what that number is, but, like, that number is, like, 
better. You're like, oh, okay, it's in the mid-40s, like somewhere in 40, whatever it is. You're like, yeah, it's not so bad. Not so bad. But because it's below 40, you're like, ooh, ooh, the slump continues. And that's that's Brad's point. That's Brad Stevens' point. So uh, I thought Jalen Brown had a, a pretty good game. Let's take a break. Going to come back. More on Marcus Smart. More on Grant Williams and others next on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's funny that two guys who combined for 20 points, Marcus Smart for 12, Gordon Hayward for 8, I thought those two guys, and especially Marcus Smart, were pretty good. Hayward missed shots, but he, like Jalen Brown, wasn't forcing a ton. He just had a couple of misses, and not a... Not forcing threes, not pulling up and and taking a bunch and trying to catch fire. He just slowly kind of plugged along, Hayward did, and had eight assists and six rebounds and only one turnover. And I thought was a a general positive player and it was a plus 14. Marcus Smart, 12 points. He shot four of eight, uh, two of five from three, not a lot of shots. Eight assists, five rebounds, a plus twenty-five. I mean, two really the two most positive players on the floor were two guys that didn't do a bulk of the scoring, and both you know, Smart barely scored in double figures, but Smart was a little bit more judicious with his scoring. Uh, I think a couple of factors here are in play. One, I think he can see a little bit better. That eye infection is kind of gone now, and he's a little bit more in rhythm. He's a little bit more comfortable out there. 
He can kind of keep playing without the lights bothering him or all that shit. And then also Kemba's back and Jalen's back and Tatum's back and Hayward's back and he can play his bench role in 33 minutes off the bench playing a very kind of controlled type of basketball where he doesn't have to feel the need to step up when Kemba's out or step up when another player is out and take a lot of the threes. He can move the ball and... He, I think, is a, a great example of a guy who can make the extra pass. Uh, I, I think that Smart does so many things that, that just go unnoticed. Uh, his ability, the, the shooting ability, which I think slowly coming back, again, 2 of 5, 40% from 3, that is something that needs to be respected. And... Because he now draws a little bit of attention at the three-point line, he can make the extra pass and get guys shots or even have like the hockey assist. He had one play that I highlighted on Twitter where he was guarding, I think, Sadoransky at the top of the key. Not even the top of the key. was closer to half court. The pick came. He knew it was coming. He called for the switch. He switched onto the big. He boxed out the big. And I think Cantor got the rebound, or somebody else got the rebound. And he doesn't get any kind of stat for that, but he was a very instrumental part of that stop. And then then the next time down, he, he flings a pass to Jason Tatum, who's being fronted, and he just throws this perfect pass to uh, get Tatum a couple of free throws. And the, all of those little things, like... Another, that's not an assist. I mean, somewhere if you dig into the advanced stats, that's something. You know, Marcus Smart does get, they count box outs. He does get credit for that. But, like, no one's looking that deep into the box score. I am. But that's that's just, you're not. You shouldn't. You know, that's not, like, I do it because it's my job. You, you, you probably don't want to be pouring through all that stuff. You just kind of want to know points, rebounds, and assists. And so... That Marcus Smart stuff, that impact is felt very deep. And and after the game, Brad Stevens was very, very um, complimentary of Marcus Smart. Like his tone changed when Marcus Smart, like he, you can tell he was speaking um, very kind of genuinely, where he said, uh, you know, the game against Philly was maybe our best player in the game, but the last two games have been just as good. He was so engaged Saturday night in leading and talking. And then today I thought it was great, whether he has nights where he gets open looks and is able to knock down, uh, knock them down or nights where they're guarding you tight and you got to make the play for somebody else. I mean, he's been really critical uh, that he continues to do that. And he's been a great boost for us. I think he's starting to find himself after being out so long in these last three or four games and finding himself is the thing here. That after so much time away, he's kind of settling into his offense. And I think that applies to Gordon Hayward as well. Where Gordon Hayward has been out for so long. And I think everybody just kind of settling in and figuring out the offense. It worked before. Uh, I know there's been a lot of chatter and talk about who fits where and, and how that all works. 
whether Hayward is is fitting with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, look, they're they're out there. He was out there yesterday, or or uh, in that game where Tatum dropped forty one. He's in there in this game where these guys um, combined for forty points. Uh, it, it's just, uh, I think, a slow progression where everybody's finally being healthy and it, it's it just takes a little bit of time. So this is the patience part that I said earlier. Patience from Jalen Brown to not force his way out of the slump, and I think that that's coming. Patience with these guys, patience with Marcus Smart. I know there was some frustration from what I saw online where Marcus people were like, oh, Marcus, there we go, back to his old tricks, back to his old self. Like, you know what? Let the kid get back and 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 get into a flow. I mean, and, and he's doing that. And same with Gordon Hayward. And same with everybody. Uh, eventually, these guys all learn how to better play with one another. And things tend to work out a little bit better. So, uh, I thought good games from those two guys. And especially Marcus, but... Uh, I think the the focus on Gordon Hayward is so critical. It's so, so critical that uh, I, I think it's a little bit undeserved. And I, I think if people if he was making $10 million less, maybe people wouldn't be as critical. But if that's the case, then you really need to like back off on that because he's not he's not hindering anything at this point. the The Celtics, the money is the money. And, you know, he couldn't help, first of all, it couldn't help the injury. But second of all, it's not like they're they're not signing guys because Gordon Hayward, like if he made $10 million less, maybe there's one guy that they could sign. I just, I don't think the focus on Gordon Hayward is, is justified. Uh, eventually, having him out on the floor is going to be maybe as important as anybody, uh, maybe more important in some instances. So... Um, I think just patience after the break Grant Williams I thought he was pretty good and he was pretty funny after the game so I'll talk about that next on the Lockdown Celtics podcast Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Grant Williams is a funny dude. After the game, he grabbed a few flyers that the Celtics PR has been putting around the garden, pushing for three all-stars, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. He grabbed those three and stood in front of the scrum, which he earned with his play. And advocated for everyone to go vote for Kemba, Jalen, Jason for All-Star. And if you do, if they all get in, he promises to dye his hair pink for a month. So, you should go out and vote because I want to see that. I think that would be hilarious and worth it. Worth it. So... If I'm sure, I'm sure there was a little bit of a coordinated effort between the PR staff and Grant Williams to go up there 
and push the voting. But uh, I gotta tell you, it's it was good. It was creative. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. Uh, and Grant sold it really, really well. I mean, that dude is is funny. So I, I think I do think the Celtics deserve the three All Stars. Um, Jalen probably needs to shoot a little bit better to get back into that conversation. I don't want to say get back into that conversation, but um, I anyway, anyway, regardless, I'm not going to go off on that tangent. I'm prone to tangents. I'm not going to do it. Grant stood there and did this little spiel, and I want to see him with the pink hair. I want to see him get the pink hair. He said he'll let Ennis Cantor do the, the dye job, which is a huge mistake, I'm sure. But, yeah, who knows? Now, Grant, like I said, earned his trip to the scrum. And when we say earned, it's because when you have a big game, everybody wants to talk to you. And everybody after the game is sort of available to talk to the media. But when there are obvious people that are the, the media wants to talk to, they just put them in the front and be like, okay, everybody gets to talk to them at the same time. Okay, that's the scrum. So when you have a big game, a good game, you get to stand there and, and scrum. I say get there like, like players really, I'm sure they don't want to be up there all the time, but... Anyway, so Grant earned his place at the front of the room because Grant had a 4 of 8 night for 11 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, just one turnover, he had a block, uh, an overall just fantastic night. By the way, 4 of those rebounds were offensive rebounds. So I think Grant Williams had just a fine night of basketball. Was Just a, a very nice basketball player out there. And... Two things stood out to me. One, obviously, is passing, uh, which I thought was fantastic. He found Jalen Brown for a dunk on the baseline where the Celtics, and I, I wrote about this, by the way, on MassLive.com. If you don't know, if you don't remember, or if you're just not paying attention, I write for MassLive.com. And so if you go to MassLive.com slash Celtics right now, you will see at the top of the page or near the top of the page that uh, I wrote, Boston Celtics rookie Grant Williams shows defensive growth and offensive decision-making. And it's a little bit of a breakdown of what I saw from Grant Williams in this game. And uh, I thought, like I said, he had a, a very nice game. The You'll see the pass that he made to Jalen Brown it came out of what's called a horn set. Now, in that piece, I linked to the video where I described the horn set, but if you don't know what the horn set is, you can very easily recognize it when the point guard is dribbling up the floor and you see a Celtic on one side of the free throw line and another Celtic on the other side of the free throw line. So they're at each elbow. That is usually a horn set. That's it, You call that... Uh, you know, horns because one on either side. Uh, and there's two guys in the corner. So that's a very simple setup. And the Celtics run that a lot this year. They ran it some last year and the year before, but they really run it a lot this year because it's a great set to run 
a variety of pick and rolls with Kimball Walker. Um, but you could also use it to, like I explained in the video, that's linked in that piece. You can use it with a playmaker. You can use it with a driver. You can use it with a passer, a pick setter. I mean, there's just so many different ways to use that. And you can have different different combinations, almost like one of those infinite combinations. Like you could run horn set the whole time and get a different play for a whole game. So the Celtics ran that and... Grant got into the middle of the lane. He slipped the screen. Short roll, you call it. If the pick, you know, you run a pick and you, you do a short roll, kind of run into the middle of the lane. He kind of slipped and got to the middle of the lane. And when you get the ball into the middle of the lane, it causes a lot of gravity. Everybody kind of reacts and he dumped it off to Jalen for a dunk. Uh, good recognition by Jalen to make the cut. Good recognition by recognition by Grant to make the pass. Uh, very good play. And then he had another assist out of the same set to Marcus Smart. Offensively, I thought he was very good. But defensively, he had uh, some very good plays as well where he switched onto guards. We've talked about this a little bit, but he did it a couple times. He switched onto Chris Dunn, which was um, he got a mismatch. He kind of was in no man's land. He got a mismatch and switched onto Dunn, and, and you could just really see the footwork. That was the most important part, the footwork where he slid. And the sliding was, you know, when, if you watch like Ennis Cantor, he does not slide. Ennis Cantor, if he's switched out onto a guard, he has to turn his hips and kind of like run. It almost looks like a dance, like... You see a, 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 a dancer kind of like turning the hips side to side. And that that's great for dancing. It's, it's bad for defense. Grant kept his hips square, kept his body square to Chris Dunn. And when you're big and you're switching onto a guard, that's how you want to position yourself. He did it with Chris Dunn. And then in another play... He got cross-matched in transition onto Kobe White, and White couldn't drive past him, which he should be able to drive past him. But again, good positioning by Grant Williams to keep White uh, in front of him. Now Kobe had to give the ball up. I forget who got the ball. Somebody hit a three over Kemba Walker. The, The end result was a score for Chicago, but... It was essentially a stop for Grant Williams because that is that's such a mismatch, but he he didn't let it become a mismatch. And I just want to shout out Grant Williams for working on that because earlier this se- this season, that was a problem. He couldn't stay in front of guards when he got switched onto the onto them on the perimeter. Uh, so I, I thought he did a, a very good job in in, in defending these guards. Uh, in the half court. So uh, good job by him. Good job by the Celtics. They uh, beat the Bulls again, 113 to 101. Celtics have one night off, and then they do a home road back-to-back, Detroit, and then uh, Milwaukee on the road. It'd be very nice for them to get that win in Milwaukee. Uh, But I say it like that because you hope that they don't overlook the Pistons 
and and drop one at home before they hit the road for a game on Thursday night. I'll be talking about that and a whole lot more on this podcast, so please subscribe. I'll have some guests, some more guests throughout the week. I try to work more guests in there so it's not just me talking all the time and give you a little bit of variety on this podcast. So hope you subscribe if you're a new listener. All of you regular listeners, that five-star rating and a good written review, very, very helpful, very much appreciated. And share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.